but man, I just sensed God's leading as this time of our church and this time where we are today on speaking about and teaching about the Holy Spirit. So we're going to do that this morning. So I'm excited about that. Now, I'm going to make a couple of things before I get into the kind of the, the, the bulk of the, the message today. Uh, today is part one of two of this past, of this series. I mean, I'm sorry, this, this message. Um, originally, I wanted to do this all in one big, big pot today, but the problem that I ran into was that I was just, there's just so much stuff out there, there's so much information, so many good things that I think that you and even I need to walk through when it comes to uh, what we're going to talk about this morning, which is, of course, not controversial whatsoever, right? We're talking today about the gift of the Spirit and speaking in tongues. No controversy there at all, right? Not none. Uh, that was a joke, by the way, because, of course, we know that there's a ton of controversy about this. It's a huge, huge subject. And, and I have found that no matter where you fall on the side of the fence of whether you are a person who believes in tongues or you're a person who does not believe or someplace in the middle, no matter where you fall on this, you, you and me, we need some teaching and some information on this. And so that's why I'm really excited, excited about this. And so, man, we're, we're, we're going to get into this thing. And, and, and this is kind of the whole premise of today. Our world, our culture needs, and I mean needs, like I mean needs with as big of an N as I could possibly put on the beginning of that, needs to have interactions with a church and a body of Christ that knows how to worship God in spirit and in truth, right? Jesus said that's what he is looking for. Uh, he is speaking of that happening. Our world needs people that know how to walk like that, right? Right? We, we need that. That's an important thing. And so as we kind of get into this, a little bit about my history, I, of course, do speak in tongues. You know, you're like, really? Uh, yes, I do. It has been, I have people say, do you do this? I do. I am filled with the Spirit speaking in tongues. And so um, I will tell you a little bit about my history with this. I haven't always been that way, although I was raised in a church that believed in that. Up until I was a senior in high school, I did not have that gift. Now, I remember I, I had an interesting interaction with this, this whole process to the point where I was, I was baptized in the Spirit. I don't remember when it was, but at some point in my history, I think I was in junior high, I remember, whether it was here or, I don't, I don't remember for sure, but I remember, like, responding to an altar call about wanting to make, fill the Spirit. I remember thinking that, like, I would like this. And so I went forward, and I remember some, some guy, and he was older. Again, I don't know how old I really don't remember all this stuff. But some guy grabbed my head and starts shaking it, you know, shaking it. Be filled with the Spirit! And he starts yelling in my ear. He starts yelling like in tongues in my ear, okay? Now, I've always been a certain way. And, and to, by, by that way, I mean I can be a little bit difficult at times than I was at, at junior higher. And so I wouldn't call myself like a great Christian kid. Because I really wasn't that great of a Christian kid. But there were some things that I knew about the Bible. And I remember thinking, okay, if this is about the Holy Spirit, dude, you ain't it. Right? And I remember thinking like, and he starts yelling at me. He's like, repeat after me. And he's like, and he's, you know, he's doing this thing. And I thought, okay, whatever that was, I don't want that. And I, remember, I turned around, I went back and I sat down. I said, if that's what it is, that's not for me. I remember another time when, when I had heard teaching or preaching on this. I responded to the altar call, and I came forward. 
And again, a person, just, they're praying over me, and it took a long time. I was skeptical, I'll be honest with you. And so, a skeptical, and I remember this guy telling me, he's praying in tongues. He says, repeat after me, okay? And so he's praying, and then he stops, he says, repeat. And I was like, this guy ain't going to go on unless I repeat, okay? So I'm like, okay, fine. So I started repeating after him. And then he's like, great job, you are filled with the Spirit. And I was like, I was? Because if that's all it is, I'm not sure what this is. And so I, he's, he, was, he stood there, and he waited, and he listened. And he was like, he was, I think he was a nice guy, I'm sure. But he's like excited as I'm like repeating after him. And again, I was like, this is pretty weird. And so I went back to my seat, and I said, that's, if that's what it is, it's not for me. And then we'll fast forward to when I was a senior in high school. Now, you have to know something about me a little bit that, again, I was, I was raised in the church. I was a church kid, but I was not a Christian church kid, okay? Uh, again, I make that distinction. Some of you knew me back then because I was raised in this very church. And I put a good front on for people, but I was not myself loving Jesus until I was a senior in high school. When I was a senior in high school, God made a change in my life that I can describe as nothing but extraordinary. And God got a hold of my heart as a senior in high school. And I went to camp when I was a senior in high school. And I was at Lake Geneva Bible Camp, which is up in Alexandria. And I, was at, I came forward. And again, I responded to this, I, this thing. I was like, I want to be filled with the Spirit. And so I went forward. Um, I had somebody prayed over me, and that was about it. And all of a sudden, the back of my head, and that's the only way I can describe it, I heard the language that I didn't know what it was. Now, I always thought that when I was filled with the Spirit, that my mind would turn off, and I would go into some kind of trance, and I would just be like, Ugh. you know, I, was, I, I thought that, I really did. And so when this is happening, I'm like, well, there's not, my mind's still here. I, I know what's going on. I can see people, but I hear this this, this voice, this, this language in my head. And so when I was, I was hearing this and such, and the person in the front, and I don't know if they knew, I, I don't know, but this is what they said. They, they said, if you hear a language in your head, just begin to speak it out. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. And again, you got to know that at this point in my life, I was, I loved Jesus. I was, I wanted all that I could have from him. And so I began to speak that language out in that day, and I can describe it like this. It was almost like someone turned on a spigot in my heart, and all of a sudden, whoosh, something changed in me from that point forward, and I have never been the same. This morning, church, uh, that is what we're talking about here today. And some of you were like, oh, no. Again, if you were here last week, you were like, okay, I thought we were talking about swinging from the chandeliers. We did, but now this week we probably will, right? No, 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 no. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a thing that the Bible talks about not like once or twice, but much of the New Testament, especially in Acts and in Paul's letters to the Corinthians, refers to this subject a ton. It's not just a little minor thing to kind of, well, no, this is a major, major deal. And I grew up, again, as a, in a Pentecostal church. I've kind of always worked in churches that you could kind of talk about as being Pentecostal for the most part, but there was a season in my life when I did not, when I worked at what could be described as a large, non-denominational, uh, just church, you know, it was an evangelical church, it was a great church, I loved my time there, but the church did not talk about tongues. Now, their official stance for, 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 for um, people in leadership, which was, which was me, 
was you can be filled with the Spirit, speak in tongues, work, that's fine. He said, but we major on the majors and don't talk about the minors. He said, this, they said, they said, so if you have this gift, if you have this thing, that's great. Keep it to yourself. Don't talk about this. Don't teach on it as a part of our church. And again, I was like, okay, that's fine, whatever. Does, that's, that's, that's their thing. And so they said, but if anyone asks you about it, you can be free to tell them whatever you want to tell them. And so I, 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 weighed, I, was, I was at a missions trip. I was leading a trip of teenagers to, to Russia one year. Um, I've been to Russia twice. Both times, God has done some big things in my life on these trips. Church missions trips are life-changing, not for teenagers, but also for adults. And get that in there, but that's, that's beside the point. So I'm on this missions trip, and I am in a room. So I'm, I thought I was by myself, and I'm praying in tongues. And again, I didn't think there's anybody around. I didn't think anybody's just praying because they do that oftentimes. And so these young people came in the room and they said, "They said, Pastor Steve, what are you doing?" And, and I said, "I said, well, I, I'm like, oh, I'm busted. No, I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm praying in tongues." And this one kid goes, oh, his eyes got big, like he's like, oh, "I've heard about this." He said, "Can you tell me more about that?" Okay, well, that's all I have to have, right? <laughs> Someone say you can. So I said, "Okay," I said, "I'll tell you what." I'll say, I said, do you want everything God has for you? And these kids, there were about five kids, and they were just hungry for Jesus. They said, of course we do. I said, so let's go in the Word. I took them in the Bible to the place I'm taking you now in Acts chapter 19. So let's go there this morning, if you would. Acts chapter 19. This this is, is an awesome moment in the church's history. It says in verse 1, it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul... Having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. We gotta pause there for a minute because that's an important detail. These are not, these are not like non-Christian people, right? These are not people that have like never come to Jesus. These are disciples. These are followers of Jesus. You see, there are some people that would teach us that the experience with the Holy Spirit is a one-time thing. That when you come to Jesus at salvation, you get the Holy Spirit, and that's the whole box. That's it. That's what you receive. And of course, they're right. When you come to Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit. You don't come to Jesus without the Holy Spirit, okay? Make no mistake about it. That's what they say, but they would tell you that that's it. But Paul who, by the way, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, wrote much of the New Testament, Paul would seem to agree with that notion that there's one experience. Listen to what he says here. He said to them, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now again, remember, he thought they believed already, right? Or he knew that they believed because they're disciples. So if there's just one experience with the Holy Spirit that comes at the moment of salvation, why would Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, say, Hey, when you got saved, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And of course their answer was, well, what? We haven't heard of this Holy Spirit. There's a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what were you baptized? And so he said, in John's baptism. Then Paul said, well, John baptized indeed with a baptism of repentance. You got that, he says. He's saying that you you have repented from your sins. That's good. He said to the people they should believe on him who would come after him. That is Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were then, of course, baptized in the name of, of Christ Jesus. I, I, that's a big deal right there. I can't get, stop, stop, stop. I can't go there. I can't go there. Okay. So, and he continued here, verse, verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came 
upon them. Now that word upon there is of massive importance. Why? Well, you're going to find out in a minute. It came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now you may not, you may look at this and say, well, what's the big deal? Upon, you know, whatever. But see, we get, we get from the, the word, we get from, from our experience, we, we kind of get how to interact with God the Father, right? We make sense. God the, the Father, that's pretty clear. God, you know, God the Son, that's Jesus. We kind of get how that works as well. But, but God the Holy Spirit can be a difficult thing for a lot of people to grasp. And how you interact with this one they call the Holy Spirit. But throughout the scriptures, when the Holy Spirit is referred to, there are three different ways in which people can interact with the Spirit that the Bible talks about at different points in times. And not just New Testament, but from the beginning of time to the very end, there's three things that the Bible talks about. There's, there's, there's with, everyone say with, with, there is in, everyone say in, and there is upon. Everyone say upon. With, in, upon. The Bible teaches us there's three ways we interact with the Spirit. Now, when Jesus promised the Spirit, this is from back in, back last week, we kind of talked about this last week already, this is review to a certain extent, but last week we talked about this, that when Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, he said in John 14, it's good that I leave because when I do, I'm sending you a helper. And we learned last week, of course, that he talked about that, that relationship would be one that is described by koinonia, this close, personal, intimate relationship. But when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, he talked about him, he said, I'm going to send you a, the word is a paraclete. Now that's a pretty important word because the, the paraclete in the Greek language simply means this. Paraclete means, and I'm going to quote this this morning, means one who's called to be on the side of another. So when Jesus told us we would have the Holy Spirit, he's essentially saying, I'm going to send you someone to walk alongside of you wherever you are. And what's so cool about the promise of the Spirit is though my, my, my water carafe, and yes, this is a carafe, I love that word, the, my carafe has an ending to it, it's pretty big, this carafe is, has a limitation. The Spirit has no limitation. And so when you, when, you, when you receive the gift that God has promised you, you are getting someone, you are getting a gift that has no endpoints. There is an unlimited supply. And what's so cool about this is that supply comes alongside of you and is there wherever you go. In your car, at your workplace, some of you are like, oh no, not my workplace. Yes, your workplace, right? At your home, and you're, when, you're, when you're snow blowing, oh, not bad, bad, bad. When, you're, when, you're, when you're, you're mowing your lawn, right? All of those times, the Holy Spirit is there with you. Jesus promised that. That's a good thing. He is with you. But then there's many other points in Scripture where it talks about how the Spirit is not only with you, that the point of salvation, the Spirit comes into you. And for a reference on that, I could pick references all day long. If you just Google Holy Spirit inside, you will find an unlimited supply of Scriptures that talk about the fact that at salvation, you have what was once alongside of you now also in you. So, so Pentecostals, I want to get something here clear, and this could be a little controversial, that's okay. 
incompatible subject. When you say that you are filled with the Spirit, that, he is, that, that you're, you're filled, you are, okay? You, you are filled with the, with the Spirit, but that's just like anybody who is a believer, okay? That's, that's what you have to understand today, is that whether you are a Christian uh, who is a Spirit-filled, tongue-talking believer, or you are a person who is not that way, you have a measure of the Holy Spirit in you at salvation, you're like, really? Yes, that's what the Bible teaches us. The Holy Spirit comes into us. So whether you talk in tongues or you don't talk in tongues, you're, the infilling, the, the fact that you, are, you have it inside of you is no different, right? You, are, you have the Spirit in you. So if you're here today and you're saying, I don't speak in tongues, this guy is going to lambast me for not, I'm not going to today. I promise you I won't do that. You have the Spirit. Every bit as a person who talks in tongues, you have the Spirit with you, you have Spirit in you. There's many passages that, that back that up this morning. But then, of course, there's another experience, where as, as we, we find here, there's with, there's in, but then there's also upon. There's upon as, as well, and, and this is a pretty awesome one. See, when baptized in the Spirit, and that's the proper way to to talk about this, when baptized in the Spirit, what happens then, of course, what Paul shows is a separate experience. The Holy Spirit comes upon you, and though you were once just, you have the one who is beside you, you are now filled with him. When baptized in the Spirit, you now not only have the Spirit in you, but you have the Spirit running over you constantly. What's happening? Don't worry, it'll dry. What happens... What happens right here is not only is the Spirit in my cup, the Spirit is on me, it's on my cup, it's upon me. And again, what's so cool is it's a supply that never, and I mean never, and I mean never, runs dry. Come on, somebody, this morning, that's good news today. Now that I'm wet, that's the Spirit has come upon. That's the idea right here this morning. You see, this reminds me of a time when Jesus began his ministry. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. To this point, Jesus in Luke 4 has been around for about 30 years. Now those 30 years were characterized by some awesome things. Jesus did some cool things to the point leading up to his launch in ministry. He, he, was, he was a young boy teaching in the synagogues. He was brilliant, he was smart, he was sinless. I mean, that alone, if you ever had a 14-year-old boy or you were one, you know that's pretty amazing, right? Or a girl, too. But anyway, that's a pretty awesome thing. He, was, he never sinned. He was brilliant. He, he was, it was all these things. But to this point, we see no place that he performed miracles or he had any kind of launching his ministry. So, so Jesus went to the, fe- the, to the wilderness at this point and fasted 40 days and 40 nights. While there, he battled through temptation. He battled through all kinds of different things, hunger and, and, and struggle. And he was about to be launched. He comes back into Nazareth, and, and we read what he, he sits down, and he opens up the, the Word of God, and he reads Isaiah at this point. So this verse is not only Jesus talking and reading, he's reading a prophecy from long ago from Isaiah. Listen to what he says. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now again, this is Isaiah prophesying Jesus reading. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, 
and to proclaim the acceptable and favorable year of the Lord. What's so cool there is that a couple of verses later, he says, folks, today, this passage, which, which previously had been prophecy, today this prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing. And what does he say? He says, the Spirit of the Lord is what? Upon me. And you know what we find? We find from that day forward, literally, Jesus launches out from that place and starts doing miracles. He starts launching out and doing some incredible things. From that point forward, Jesus' ministry, from upon forward, Jesus' ministry can only be defined as being supernatural, right? Am I saying that's not true? It's all in the Word. You might say, well, of course, Pastor, that's Jesus. Right? I mean, it's Jesus. He's pretty amazing. I could never walk my life like Jesus did. And of course, you will never be Jesus. Don't, don't think that you are. You're, you're not. We will think you're from Waco and you're some weird. But anyway, so, so, but can we expect to do things like Jesus did? Well, I think the answer, of course, to that, if you believe his words, if you understand his words, it's not only possible, but dare I say it's, it's expected. Listen to what Jesus says in Acts chapter 1. These are the last recorded words of Jesus. He says in verse 4, he says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise from the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. About this last week, Jesus said, promise this would come. So now here they are at the doorway to this happening. He says, hold on, wait, pray. And I will tell you this this morning, church. God works and God does things like this when we wait in prayer. Amen? That's what we did last week. We waited in prayer. God works when his people wait in prayer for his promises. You know, his promises don't always come like this, do they? It's not like a microwave where you put your food in the microwave and push... Push one minute and like, bam, one minute I've got a full dinner. That's not how God works. Sometimes, as the word says here, the really good stuff, you have to go, you have to expect, you have to wait. That's another message altogether. But so he says, so do that. He says, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, verse 6, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? That is a fascinating statement because they still don't get it, right? They, Jesus, like, came back from the dead, okay? He's been walking through doors, right? And he's been doing some incredible things. And they say, uh, Jesus, is this about politics? And this is about what's going to happen? Oh, man, they don't get it, he says. But, he says, it's not for you to know times or seasons what the Father has put in his own authority. He says, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come, what? Come, what? Upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Now, again, these are believers, right? They had the, the Spirit with them. They had the, the potential of the Spirit to be inside of them. But then we continue here. They, then, then there they appear to him. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm going, too, going too far here. It's just your power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Now, again, notice what happens when the Holy Spirit is supposed to come upon them. What does it happen? Is it, are they going to have like these like huge experiences like, whoa, we're going to shake and we're going to swing through chandeliers and we're going to do that? No. He says the point of this 
is for you to have power to go out and be my, my witnesses in our city, in our region, and literally around the world. The point of the Spirit is not to get my feelings all up in, up in knots and feel really good, although sometimes you do. See, that's, that's seeking the manifestations of the Spirit and not the, the hand of the Holy Spirit, right? Because when the Holy Spirit comes, comes upon you, your life will look like this. It will look like what Jesus says, what happened in their hearing, that he went out. He, that's how this works this morning. He comes upon you. So what happens a few days later? Not, not a few minutes or, or hours later. They didn't push the button on the microwave for the potatoes and they got 30 seconds. No, a few days later. As they fasted and they prayed and they sat in the upper room. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, Pentecost nowadays has a meaning. We think, well, Pentecostal means I'm preaching, talk, whatever. But Pentecost is a long-standing tradition in the Jewish church. Again, bad pastor. I can't get into that this morning. But this is this has been here forever. This isn't just like a new thing, all of a sudden, woof, just happened. God has orchestrated and planned for this point in, to- in time throughout history. Study the Feast of Pentecost. Study these things. You're going to be like, wow, this is incredible. The day that that happened is not an accident. And it fully come. They were all with one accord. They had a car. Too weird. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they, there and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, you know, it, some people say, well, that, that was just for them back then. It's, 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 it's a, a theological construct called cessationalism. It's, 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 it's that, that the gifts have stopped. That's what there is a... Th- Theological construct that says, well, that was just for them and not for us now. What's fascinating about that, I don't know how you can read this and read what comes next. Listen to what it says just a few verses down and believe that. It says in verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The context here is not just bits and pieces. The context is the whole thing. The with, the in, and the, and the, and the upon. You shall receive that gift, the Spirit, for the promise is to you and your children and to all those who are far off. That includes you, that includes me, as many as the Lord will call. Now, I don't know about you, he hasn't come back yet, so that includes us in this promise as well. So I ask you again this morning, friends, do you want everything God has for you? That day in that, in that little classroom, it was a classroom in, in Russia, and it's a tiny little time where it's called, that, that, that evening, that, that day in that, that classroom, five 18-year-old guys came to, not only, they, they had Jesus, but five 18-year-old guys came to the conclusion that they wanted this gift in their lives. Now, I didn't have to call on the band. I didn't have to call on the, you know, the, the thing to drum everything up and get all of, there was no chandeliers to swing from. There was, you know, there was nothing. It was just me and five young, young men praying and saying, if you want this gift, then just start asking God for the gift. And we prayed and we, we sought God's face and it took a little bit. And all of a sudden, one of the young people said, I, I hear some words. I said, just speak them out. He, he, pray, he prayed them out and tears began to roll down this kid who was a foot, the big, giant, 
football player who was tough and strong, and God broke him on that day. And another, and another one, and another one, and another one. And God ministered and worked in each one of these kids in whole different ways. But God filled these young people, but God also baptized these young people in the Holy Spirit. And they began to pray, and they began to, seek, began to pray in tongues. But the cool part was what God did after that in their lives. It was like they came out of that experience, it was like, boom! They were so excited, they were so ready, because the Bible tells us when, you're, when you, are, you have the Spirit like this, you will go out and you will have power to be my witnesses in, Ju- in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Church, we're going to pray for this today in a bit. You might be here and say, well, I want that. That sounds pretty good. I, I'd like that. We're going to pray for that in a bit, in a bit today. But before we do that even, I want to just walk through a couple things here. I want to clear up a couple misconceptions when it comes to the Holy Spirit baptism. And, and so the first one there is, the first one is there is only one kind of tongue. Actually, there's four kinds of tongues. Now sometimes, some, some Pentecostal theologians lump the last two together, which makes three. I can, I'm okay with that. I, I somewhat think it's four, but whatever. So it's four or three, depending on where you fall, fall on that. The same elements, but different parts. But anyway, so uh, although we oftentimes incorrectly lump them all together with just speaking in tongues. This is what confuses people sometimes. They say, well, shouldn't your tongue be be, uh, 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 seen or or shouldn't it be interpreted? Or Paul says this this will pass. I mean, what is going on here? There's all these confusions surrounding this. But the Bible is quite clear that there are different types of this gift that God gives for different parts and reasons and seasons. That's next week, okay? You're like, what? You need to be here next week. I, I wanted to get into this, but I also wanted to get you home today. And so make sure that you're a part of that this next week. It's going to be big. Number two, when praying in tongues, the Holy Spirit shuts your mind off. I've heard this many times. It says, uh, it shuts my mind off and takes over my tongue and grabs me. And goes, That's how this works. If I'm going to pray in tongues... I'm going to be like this. I have no control over my tongue. And my question or my response to that is when has God ever forced anyone to do anything? Your brain is a gift that God's given you. You know, sometimes we think we come to church, we got to check our brains at the door. Sometimes, in some situations, that's encouraged. And I will tell you, it's not here. That's not how it works. God's not called you to shut your brain off. When you receive this gift of tongues, you don't kind of froth at your mouth and go off into a corner and just kind of, you know, veg there for a little bit so you come back. That's not how this works, church. It's not the way that it works. You have full control of your mind when you pray in tongues. You decide when to start and stop. You have regular control of your communication. See, again, I, I touched on this last week, I touched on this again. The notion that the Holy Spirit forces people to do things is just not true. And church, listen, especially if you are a tongue-talking Christian, listen, listen, listen. It matters how you talk about this. It matters. You might say, oh, big deal. Who cares? It matters a lot how you talk about this. Because you know what? There are people, when you say things, you say, well, the Holy Spirit took my mind over. I had no control, and I just did whatever. And I kind of, when you talk like that, people listen to you. And when they are seeking the Spirit, and that doesn't happen to them, they say, well, maybe I don't have the Spirit. You're like, well, people do that? Yes. I did. I thought that. 
See, if it wasn't for God's relentless pursuing of my life and the relentless pursuit of me and giving me this gift, I might have been in the same position. So that's not for today. That doesn't matter. That doesn't work. You see, again, church, you need to listen. What you say, how you say it, how you think, it matters. When you receive this gift, what you'll hear is you'll hear, my, hear words in your mind. And it's your choice to say them or not. Some think they have to wait until God grabs their tongue and starts moving it. You'll wait for the rest of your life. Speaking of tongues is an act of faith that you do or you don't. It's an act of faith. And you say, okay, God, I believe this is from you. I'm going to say it. I'm going to speak it. And like with so many acts of faith, it takes a momentary decision before God turns on the spigot in your life and changes everything. We want the spigot on first, and then we'll jump in, right? When so often what God says is, no, this is my direction. Walk in it. And then when you walk in faith will come the spigot turning on. That's how this works as well. God gave you a mind as a gift. You don't have to turn it off when it comes to this. You might, you might be surprised that people around you are praying in tongues even possibly right now. You're like, really? They're not praying from chandeliers. I don't see any snakes handling it. I don't, you know, really? Because I always heard that's how churches who teach this stuff did. And the truth is, that's not true. See, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, this is how this works. We walk like this. And again, you're like, really? You need to be here next week. <laughs> Number three, the gift of tongues makes you more spiritual. It's not true. The gift of tongues does not make you more spiritual. You know, I've known very spiritually mature Christians who do not speak in tongues. Some of you are like, really? I mean, that's kind of, some of you might be like, yes, I know people who are very spiritually mature who do not speak in tongues. On the flip side, I know people who speak in tongues who are very, very, very spiritually immature. What that tells us today is simply this, is that the gift of tongues does not make you or not make you more or less spiritual. On the other hand, this morning, and like I said, I am glad that I pray in tongues. I'm not like the Apostle Paul in a lot of ways, but I am in one way. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I'm glad that I do this. And he says more than you all, right? That's pretty, that's pretty gutsy right there this morning. You see, the, the truth this morning is this. It doesn't make you more spiritual. But what I have found in my life is that speaking in tongues leads me down spots and pathways to the, where the Holy Spirit can work and minister in my life and through my life and around my life because I've got him upon me like I don't have in other time, points and parts of my life. Number four, unless you speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. It almost seems too crazy to talk about, but yet I've heard people say this. If you don't speak in tongues, you can't be a Christian. At church, it's, 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 it's not true. And if you've heard anybody teach that, preach that, talk about it, they are in error. And I want to be as clear as I possibly can, because I've heard people who have sat in this church now, in the last five years, I'm not talking about but the last five years, who told me and said, I've had someone tell me, again, not in this church, I asked them, not in this church, but I had someone tell me that if I don't speak in tongues, I'm not a Christian. And if you're here this morning, or if you think that way today, I cannot be more clear, it's not true. I've said it already, that when you come to Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. A Christian, 
is one who has been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Their, their sins are washed away. You are saved by grace through faith, and that's it. There is no other extra parts there. Unless you speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. It's just not true. And the last one, as the band comes forward this morning, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. I talked about this already as well. If you're a Christian, just the Holy Spirit is in you. It's a miracle at the point of salvation that you, that you have the Holy Spirit. Every believer has the Spirit as their paraclete. Pentecostals, again, we have to be careful about our words when it comes to this. A person who speaks in tongues has the Holy Spirit. Tongues is the physical evidence of the baptism of the Spirit. Now, I, I want to ex- explain this today as I, as I close because I, I believe that God's going to fill people this morning. Not just fill, but God's going to baptize this morning. I did it there too. That, God's going to baptize people this morning with the Holy Spirit through through there. If, you're, if you speak in tongues, if you pray in tongues, don't, not loud, not crazy, not, not, out, not out there. And again, you're like, why? Well, be here next week. So, but just begin to pray in tongues this morning. And God would fill this room and, and God would do what he wants to do with people today. So when it comes to praying in tongues, this is kind of what it's like. And when, when it comes to uh, this stuff, I, I usually need a car to help me understand things. Difficult things, I need cars to help me out here. So, so this is what this, this works to. This is my, this car up here that they're going to show in a minute. This is a, a it's a 68 Chevelle. Um, I promise you it's coming. There it is, the 68 Chevelle. I, I, that's one of my favorite cars of all time is a black 68 Chevelle SS. I love these things. I have a dream for one of these things. And someday, I joke that when all the people who are older who are car guys die, your kids don't like cars, right? They, you know they don't. And so I'm going to buy your car cheap someday, but whatever. That's, that's beside the point. But I, I love old cars. And, and, and I love this car, this picture here, because this car's got some cool stuff on it. You see, what you may not know is the engine here is very powerful. Of course, it's a huge power. Probably a 396. It's an awesome engine, but what makes this engine ex- extra fast is it's got a blower and a supercharger on it, Okay. That's what's so cool about this engine. And see, what's so amazing is that this, en- this, this, this engine's been placed inside of this car. And if you didn't have the blower and supercharger, you'd have no idea what this car could do. What's so cool about this is that you can see what happens. There is an evidence, a physical evidence of the blower and the supercharger because it sticks out of the hood. And it comes out of there. And this car is very, very Powerful and very fast. And there is physical evidence that speaks to that idea. Morning is a band place, church. This is a very, I know, but guys, you get it. This is a very, very crude illustration of what the Holy Spirit does in your life when you pray in tongues. Again, you have the Holy Spirit as your paraclete comes alongside of you. But see, your, your, your Savior loves you so much that it's not just a matter of like coming alongside of you to help you. He knew that you need more than that. So he filled you with his spirit. But how you know what happens sometimes is that that water, if it's left the way it is, gets green, it gets brackish, it just kind of just sits there and it's not fresh anymore, right? Again, there's so many ex- words and scriptures that talk about the, the freshness that the Holy Spirit brings. And church, I'll tell you, there's one way in which that happens. When you are consistently and constantly, when you are filled to 
have the Holy Spirit now upon you. As you stand across this room, heads bowed, eyes closed. Now, I, I wanted, again, heads bowed, eyes closed. So I'm going to explain something. I, I wanted to, I really didn't want this to be two weeks because I'm going to talk about next week. It's so critical in what I'm going to say right now, but I'm going to say it anyway. Just if you don't understand it, you need to be here next week. But when you receive, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's like God puts a supercharger and a blower on the already powerful engine you have living inside of you. And it changes the dynamic of your walk with Him forever. You might say, well, I don't, I don't have this gift. There are, there are some parts of the Holy Spirit that are a gift that are exclusive to some. Okay, that, that's, that's true. When it comes to praying and speaking and, and, and singing in tongues, that's a gift that's available to all of us. You're like, really? Be here next week. You don't believe me. Be here next week. So what, yeah, what happens oftentimes is when, when I give my child, my children a gift, I, I put it in front of them, and they'd be crazy not to open it, right? But see, what happens sometimes with us is that we get this gift from God, and, and He gives it to us. He says, in this box, see, the, the, you know what's in here because you because I've talked about it. But in this box, there is a change in your walk in life that, was, that can be characterized as supercharging your, your relationship with me. And what happens sometimes, we say, for whatever reason, maybe someone shook our head when we were kids, maybe we just don't, maybe we just think it's weird, whatever it might be, we say, look at this box, you say, yes, but, God, but, ah, uh, and we don't open the gift that God has placed in front of us. And some of us, and in, in, in our, our Pentecostal circles, I said, well, the only time that God can give us gift is when the music is loud, when there is lights flashing, when everything's going, there's this big, huge moments, and that, I want to tell you today, is not how, that's not a qualifier for the Spirit opening this door in us, and let's open this gift. Because in my experience, and what the, according to what the Word says, the Spirit comes still.